Today on SEC, the crew analyzes the data of Grail's and iconic cards, a case study on Michael Jordan and Damian Lillard. Then they revisit some of the more interesting questions in Josh's Instagram AMA, coming up now on SEC. Welcome to Sports Cards Culture. I'm Chris. I'm here with Christina, Christina's PC on Instagram, Nick, the producer, Stiff Arm Wax, and of course, Josh, Cardboard Chronicles. Uh, today we've got lined up a deep show for you guys. First, we're going to dig into some data involving Damian Lillard and Michael Jordan cards, and then we're going to have some fun. We're going to review some of the more intriguing questions that were posed to Josh during his Ask Me Anything on Instagram this <laughs> week. Okay, but first, let's do our homework, and then we'll go to the party. Part one, grails and iconic cards. A lot of sports card hobby commentary is offered based on feelings and instincts, and it is valuable to have good intuition and to keep your ear to the ground, because people often buy and sell based on energy, excitement, sometimes hunches, so being able to see things through those lenses is important. But there is a level of hobby commentary that gets more precise than this. Data. Data tells a much crisper story. It can back up our common sense intuitions. It can also expose flaws in our reasoning. An evergreen topic of interest in the hobby is identifying which cards truly perform the best, both in the short term and the long haul. Now, the conventional wisdom is that the top graded copies of the iconic well-known cards, even if they have hundreds or thousands of copies, are the best investments. So, let's see if that's true. A couple recent sales from this week will help us figure that out. Let's look at two case studies. We're going to look at two. First is Michael Jordan, and then second is Damian Lillard. All right, so first let's do MJ. We're going to compare two cards. The 86 Fleer PSA 10 and the 97 Skybox Team Skybox Star Rubies BGS 8. Now, Josh, tell me if I'm wrong here, but would you agree that outside of experienced 90s collectors, most people are probably not very familiar with the 1997 Team Skybox subset, nor the Star Rubies Parallel, which is numbered to 50. I mean, do you think there's a lot of familiarity for this card out there? Definitely not. I mean, especially the Team Skybox, even as you're explaining it, I'm trying to remind myself, but I, I know what you're talking about, but it's it's definitely a subset of a rare card, something that doesn't come up very often. It's definitely for the advanced card collectors. But on the other hand, the Everybody um, knows very well about the 86 Fleer PSA 10. I think that's yeah, that's a everybody. fair comment. That's that's well known in the hobby. Uh, now, the the uh, Star Rubies BGS 8 Team Skybox is an important card for those advanced hardcore MJ collectors because it's one of only a few dozen cards that can truly be considered plain years grails for Michael Jordan. Now, by comparison, the 86 Fleer PSA 10 MJ perhaps the most iconic MJ card, probably without dispute. There are 317 PSA 10s in the pop report. So this is a classic contrast of the lesser known, but highly coveted rare parallel versus the famous but mass produced rookie card in a relatively low population high grade slab. All right, using the card ladder database, I can see that the Team Skybox Star Rubies BGS 8 only has two public sales. The first was 8200 on April 14th, 2019, and the second was this week for $75,000 on January 17th, 2021. It means the card appreciated 815% over that one year and nine month time span. Now let's compare it to the 86 Fleer Rookie in a PSA 10 grade. Using Card Ladder, once again, I can see that the card sold for 29.1K on April 17th. 
2019 and then it last sold for $222,000 and $222,630 on January 30th, 2021. So what that means is the card appreciated 665% over the same span. So the Team Skybox Star Rubies MJ, a card that most people probably don't even know anything about, has comfortably outperformed the red hot 86 Flair PSA 10. All right, and the comparison there is 815% to 665%. All right, lots of numbers. Let's make sense of these numbers. Let's see if there's anything we can learn from this before we move on to the Damian Lillard comparison. Should we be surprised by this? That this obscure grail 90s MJ has comfortably outperformed the 86 Fleur PSA 10? Uh, I think we should be surprised. I think a lot of people in the hobby just sort of shrug it off that the PSA 10 Fleur 86 is going to outperform every other card. It's just like a, a, a given at this point in, in most conversations. And in this comparison you have, it's between a rare and a, and a PSA 10 more common card. Um, but even just like looking through the ladder when I do, I feel like a lot of times the nines or like obscure cards are outperforming cards you wouldn't expect. So I, I like your point of making sure you dig into the actual data before you make any assumptions. Definitely. And all right, let's, let's ask a more basic question. Uh, the 86 Fleer MJ PSA 10 has increased, uh, a hundred thousand dollars since September. It went from 120 K in September of 2020 to 220 K now in January, 2021. Some are even speculating that this card is headed towards a million dollar valuation. So, Christina, I'm going to get your take second. Let me get Josh's take first. I don't think it'll get there anytime soon. And if it does, it's going to correct. That's just way too much growth in a short amount of time, given the population of that card. Uh, if it was a million dollars, if something actually sold for a million, one of those, I feel like 10 of those would come out of the woodwork. They would all go to auction at the same time. Supply would increase. Not that many people can support a million dollars. It would come right back down. I completely agree. Uh, Christina, do you remember when we were talking during the last <laughs> dance? Yes. We were saying we were unsure if this card could get over 100000 Yep. Here we are half a year later, a little bit more, and we're talking about a million dollars. What do you think? And what were you looking up? I saw you looking up something over there. Uh, I was looking up the rubies to try and remember what it looked like because yeah. um, I... I thought it was, and it's the one who looks like the original Peacock. Oh, yes, indeed. Yeah. I love that connection. Yeah. Yes. So um, <laughs> that's what I was connection. looking up. I jumped back to the 86 Flare PSA 10 of MJ um, because I was trying to look up when the card was hitting that like 99. Yep. And I kept saying, it's not going to go over <laughs> because even if it goes over once, more will come out and then like it'll drop back down. And we saw that, but then it started this climb. And uh, I have to draw the parallel that around this time is when we saw Fractional and Funds jumping into the hobby. And it, it kind of changed the game, right? So even though I was like, no, no way, it's not going to stay over 100K. Now to think like it couldn't be a million dollar card like i'm sure people thought the mantle couldn't be a million dollar card i'm sure like you know like once upon a time so i i don't know as i just don't know like All it's right. hard to it's hard to try and like the game has changed it has. the game changed. totally it's a great has changed. point great yeah. point all right last question on this topic christina given that the mj flare psa 10 is currently at 225k roughly and the team skybox star rubies bgs8 or as you call it the original peacock <laughs> is selling for 75k 
Which would you rather have? Oh, one. Hold on, one <laughs> BGS eight of the team Skybox Star Rubies, or speaking of fractional, one third of a stake in the Fleer PSA ten, since those are equivalent. I want that rubies in hand, thank you. The whole thing. I don't want a third of it. Now, full disclosure, we collect 90s MJ Grails. We do. <laughs> so, we're extremely biased on that topic, but uh, anyway, alright. Case study number two, Damian Lillard. 20, we're going to compare his 2012 Prism Base rookie PSA 10 versus his 2012 Select Green, which is out of 10 rookie card, BGS 9.5. And the result here is a very different one than we saw with Jordan. So Dame's 2012 Prism Base has a population of 384 and a PSA 10. This card is rare and is perhaps Dame's most iconic card. Let's compare it to the green that I just mentioned. That card has a population of 2 in PGS 9.5. 2. Alright, so back in the spring of 2019, the Select Green sold for $1,000 in April, back in 2019. Whereas the Prism Base was selling for $86.72 in April of 2019. So the Select Green is 12x the base PSA 10. Okay, let's go forward to January 2021. This week, both of those cards sold. The green did $1,913, which is a 91% increase. The base PSA 10 did $1,316, which is an astonishing 1,418% over the same span. So the base has almost entirely closed the gap, whereas it once was only one twelfth the value of the green. Okay, so Josh... Here we have a very different outcome than with Michael Jordan cards. The iconic base card this time is just running laps around the more obscure parallel. I think in this case, uh, the thing that jumps out at me is trying to compare the Jordan rubies to the to the select Lillard. Like us as collectors, I mean, with these rare ones, you're talking about collectors, and you're talking about people that are trying to hunt for these rare items. And we as collectors, just like investors do, we sort of congregate on certain specific rare cards that we deem to be important and iconic in the hobby. And the Jordan Star Rubies is definitely one of those. And I'm obviously like thinking that the Lillard is not going to be in that same category for the collectors. I think like when you get to a guy like Jordan, the number of collectors might even dwarf the number of investors or the number of collectors might be more fervently seeking to quickly acquire cars than number of investors. Whereas with Lillard, it might be the other way around. You might have a lot more investors, speculators in Lillard than collectors. And so when you have players like that, their more investor-friendly cards are going to do much better. So I think we already know the answer to this, but I want to throw it to you anyway. Uh, is there any chance that the select green out of 10, Dame Lillard, could even come close to matching the growth going into the future that we saw when we look back at how the prison based PSA 10 just ran laps around it. No, I don't think so. Because, I, I mean, it's going to require Damian Lillard to, like you said, greatly increase his collector base, which is going to require him to continue on the path towards all time great. And I'm not sure if he's quite on that path. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't see that actually happening with the select card. It's just too too far away from the norm of what people are looking for as collectors yeah agreed now the final thoughts on this topic let's line up all four cards that we looked at uh so in both case studies we use april 2019 as the starting point here's how all four of these cards stack up against each other over that span so the 2012 lillard prison base psa 10 is up over 1400 percent the jordan star rubies is up 815 percent 
The 86 Fleer Jordan is up 665%, and the Select Green Lillard is up 91%. So there were no losers here, right? Even the worst performing card has nearly doubled in less than two years. Uh, so the owner of that green has nothing, should have nothing but a smile on their face. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, like, the discrepancy is huge. Um, and it's also worth noting that the 86 Fleur PSA 10 saw the largest absolute dollar gain. Uh, it went up over 200000 whereas the Lillard PSA 10 saw the smallest. It went up about 1200 bucks. All right, so final thoughts on this data set that we've just dug into. Josh, you have absolutely great instincts about how the sports card market moves. Is there anything in this data that is especially surprising to you? Or does this this all kind of jive with common intuition in the hobby? I think it jives. Your your last point really has me thinking now that like, if you are buying into a player who's more of a prospect and investor, it's just simpler... It's just easier to just go and get their base prisms and their silvers and like the common things that we all know. And if you're going after a player who's highly collected, you got to get a little bit more creative and figure out what do those collectors like. I still think you can do that on the prospect type players, like figure out what collectors like from Lillard. Uh, and, you know, maybe the collectors don't like that the green select as much as they do some other items. Like we probably could find some Lillard cards that had a, a bigger increase than that select green. So. I don't know. I, I always lean back into what are collectors going for, and that's usually going to steer you in the right direction. But for the prospects, you have to lean a little bit more into you know what's like the, what's the thing that investors are looking for. Indeed. Now, suppose Josh that a collector is watching this or is doing research like me using Card Ladder and looks at all this data, and the thought comes to mind: Does it seem smart for me to just buy up a bunch of prism-based PSA tens of a you know really high-level active player? wait a year or two, sell them off, take my huge 15, 16X, and then use that money to go buy the cards of the player that I really want. Is this the right takeaway, or was there something you know that happened over the last two years that like might not happen going forward again? You know, It seems to me that like the prism boom sort of might have already happened, and a lot of those gains can almost be attributed to like prism coming to the fore, prism P- PSA 10s getting graded, lower pops we don't know what these pop i don't lots of thoughts here but basically my question to you is is that a wise thing for a collector to say man if i just bought all those lillards so maybe i should try and do that now is is that the right takeaway here no i don't think the lillard base prism is a replicable situation easily replicable i mean it, there's definitely instances that we could probably find where that might happen again but it's going to be really tough that, i mean that's the reason that that card is the biggest increase of the four is just because it was at 86. It was just at a point where, you know, it was so cheap that nobody really cared about it. And then it just saw this ridiculous meteoric rise for all 2012 Prism PSA 10 stuff. And it's just like a once in a, you know, a once in a life of a card that you're just not gonna be able to replicate. True, I, I think that's probably right. Um, all right, Christina, where do you see, cause we watch a lot of NBA. We talk about a lot of NBA in this house. Where do you see Damian Lillard's prison-based PSA 10 and general card market going? Is he collectible? Look, if you told me I had to buy a Lillard card and you gave me a budget and I had the option between the base and the green, which looks like Christmas, BT dubs, <laughs> I'm going to pick the green. I didn't rig the deck for her to answer <laughs> that either. Just everything looks like a holiday or something happy to her. <laughs> It's green and red with gold trim. Like, it looks like Christmas. <laughs> um, 
I think that Damien Lillard is completely collectible. I know a bunch of Lillard collectors, uh, so I, I don't want to talk too negatively about the market for them. But I would say, would that be my first choice if given an eBay gift card uh, for we that know amount? What your first choice is. No, no, we're not. <laughs> all right, very good. Okay, all right. Coming up on sports cards culture. We dig a little bit deeper into Josh's Ask Me Anything on Instagram from this week. The future is now. Card Ladder is the fastest growing sports card app on the market. The best tools to help you track your cards, watch the trends, stay informed, compare cards, and track the growth of your personal collection. All in one simple and intuitive platform. Join the innovators, not the imitators. The best sports card app on the market. A stock market for sports cards. Card Ladder. Watching SCC Sports Cards Culture. Keep up with the crew and follow them on all the socials. Plus, join Josh and Chris and sometimes special guest Christina every Friday night on Instagram Live. The crossover. Now let's get a little more freewheeling here. So Josh does these from time to time on the cardboard underscore chronicles Instagram page. He will do AMAs, ask me anything. And Josh just did one this week. It was the most entertaining one, in my opinion, to date. Uh, always fun to read, though. Uh, I'm also guessing they get pretty tiresome. Is that true? Do you, you answer a lot of questions when you do these. Well, last night my wife was watching uh, the last Harry Potter movie, and it's like a three-hour movie. So I was like, I'm going to do an AMA tonight. I got plenty of... Because it literally it takes like three hours of my focused attention. I wanted to highlight some of the intriguing questions that were posed. Um, and there were plenty of them, plenty of intriguing questions. I just want to focus on a few, but I want to throw them... Throw the questions back at you again and, you know, reply in as short or as long of a fashion as you'd like. And then perhaps Christina and I can chime in on some of these questions as well. So the first question was this. Um, is Allen Iverson underpriced? Uh, I mean, my initial reaction to the underpriced question is like, I don't think anything's underpriced. I, I just like in general think that like everything is priced where it should be. And the underpriced comment is just sort of like, you know, food for someone to uh, pump their own cards. Iverson, I, I, I said no to this to this question because I I, uh, I sort of like equate him to Russell Westbrook in the current market, where like he didn't win a championship. Uh, he's a super high level individual player with a lot of uh, interesting things about him off the court. You know, the fashion thing, and for Iverson, it's like the uh, you know the hip hop introduction into the sport. So he has a lot of collectors, and there's a lot of people that enjoy him. Um, but it's like the ceiling is kind of capped by his lack of championships and sort of ability to, you know, win as the alpha on a team. Definitely. And, uh, to reinforce that point, I think, uh, so I've seen two big time Iverson sales this week. 
um, come through card ladder. A 1996 Topps Chrome Refractor PSA 9 did about 8,900 bucks. A PSA 9, and then his 96 Finest Gold Atomic Refractor PSA 10 did about 8,300 or 8,600 bucks, something like that. So like these Iverson prices are getting up there. Okay, that's that is a substantial amount of money. Uh, I think that supports Josh's point. Uh, question two. Uh, Josh, what inning are we in in this sports cards game? Uh, that's my favorite question. You know how much I love that analogy. <laughs> I think we're actually probably like in the sixth, like fifth or like sixth or seventh inning, somewhere around. I'll just say six. That one's kind of like right in the middle of what I'm thinking. Uh, to say for people to say like we're in the second inning is kind of ridiculous. Like we have celebrities and athletes and influencers and people with millions and millions of followers. Uh, talking about the hobby, purchasing cards, we've been like 10xing, you know, across the board in a lot of instances. So to say we're in the second inning is like implying that we're gonna like 100x in the next few years, which is possible, I guess. Just seems a little bit, uh, you know, hypey and getting a little bit too excited. So more realistic, cautious take for me is I'll say the sixth inning. Uh, the next few levels would be continued growth on the infrastructure of the hobby continued growth on the grading companies grading company side to be able to you know improve things there more celebrities more people joining more of like the common man entrance into the hobby like i I always talk about the the cultural relevance of sports cards and and as that increases kind of for the for the average mailman or firefighter as those people start entering more and more and more i think we could see that next few ticks up christina what inning are we in in this sports card game the second. <laughs> uh, next question. That was uh, a great one. Thoughts on NBA Top Shot? What are your thoughts on NBA Top Shot, Josh? You just you pick the three hardest ones. I feel like I, there were some like softballs in there for me. And, like, oh, should I invest in LeBron? That's an yeah. You should. I'm really trying, and this is what I said in my response to that one, is that I'm trying really hard. I'm looking at all different angles. I'm trying to see uh, what market might be there for that and what people might be interested in something like this. And then I just like go through all, you know, I'm like drawing the arrows, the lines, and like trying to connect everything. And then I'm like, ah, it's just YouTube clips. I just don't get it. Yeah, I, I, you have given a, a very fair shake to it. I try to do that as well. Um, like you said, there might be a lot of things there are a lot of things that people like about it, I think. But the one thing that it's not, it is not sports cards, and it is not a replacement for sports cards. There's no history to it. There's no nostalgia for it with respect to childhood and collecting cards and that how it's been passed on from generation to generation. And most importantly to me, it's not tangible art the way that sports cards are. So there's like three really big differences um, between... Uh, digital cards and digital packs which is what NBA Top Shot is and sports cards as we know it so as long as people recognize that these are two very different things and that they should not you know try to be mistaken for each other uh, if you want to open digital packs go for it now Christina we opened a digital pack the other night on the crossover watch the crossover and see my disappointment don't do it as a degenerate pack ripper I'm telling you not to open something that says something. <laughs> okay. There we go. All right. Question four. Uh, when will Larry Bird and Tim Duncan start getting respect in the card markets? 
I want to throw this right back at Chris. Aren't are are those two guys not seeing unbelievable rises in their card value? Yeah, dude. Larry Bird cards, uh, at least his like early tops stuff is like on fire. The Bird and Magic rookie card is the number one card on Card Ladder right now. Like Larry Bird stuff is on fire. Maybe not throughout the entirety of his sports card canon, but like his big name. Uh, big ticket items are doing as well as anybody else's in the hobby. Tim Duncan had like a big rise earlier in 2020 and then he kind of leveled off. But uh, yeah, it, you know, to get his tops Chrome in a PSA 10, it's going to run you about 1500 bucks. Uh, when people say something's undervalued, it's more so they're saying that because of the uh, like loudness of the people that are collecting LeBron and Jordan and Kobe and sort of like the more common things that you see in the base prisms and like those people are just more upfront with it. They're pushing it on their Instagram platforms and the people that are like quietly picking up bird cards, quietly investing in Tim Duncan because they know he's safe. Uh, similar to those two guys like style on the court, they're not, they're just not as like openly loud about what they're doing. And so I think to say that their prices are undervalued is just it's just sort of a reaction to what they're seeing on Instagram and not necessarily understanding their actual markets. Definitely. Okay, next question. Would you sell Steph Curry now or hold? Same for Giannis. Um well, if we're talking about just like investing purposes, which is uh, which is kind of what I expect this angle to be because as a collector, I'm not really ever you know, selling, but um I, I mean, we're going up towards the, you know, towards like the, the heart of the season here. And as you get closer and closer to playoffs, generally what happens is people that players that are uh, have some like hype going into the playoffs that they might perform well. Those are the guys that go up and, and Giannis and the Bucks are clearly set up to be to do well in that regard. The Warriors is a little bit riskier. Uh, their team, you know, their record isn't as good. Their standings in the West isn't as good. They're going to have to go through some juggernauts, you know, early in the playoffs. And, and it might look a little bit more bleak for Curry. That's not really a, a take on Curry or Giannis as individuals. It's more of their team outlook and, and how their teams are going to perform going into the playoffs. Well said. Last question, and then we will call it a show. Uh, what are the pros and cons of holding cards for the super long term pros are you get it sort of like forces you to get ingrained in the hobby and you're not you're not just going to hold something super long term if you don't have some sort of interest in it and you're not going to actually care about what you're holding so i think the pro there is that it would get you into the hobby it kind of force you to research and understand how everything works better and uh honestly like we always joke that like the number one mistake people make is that they just they sell anything they sell too early so a pro of holding long term is just don't sell and just close your eyes and hopefully it'll be worth a lot more in the future (laughs) which has been an effective strategy thus far the con is like with some of the prospects a lot of those guys they do eventually start to wear out and then you know their price is sort of like slowly trickle down towards zero i'm thinking of like uh you know andrew wiggins uh blake griffin even like if you're going back on some of these older guys like uh like i don't know john stockton guys like that where they're not going down to zero i'm so i'm being dramatic but like a lot of those guys um that are a tier below like the hall of famers that we're talking about eventually those guys do like they do lose quite a bit of value over time people lose interest well said all right that has been uh, this episode of Sports Cards Culture. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for watching. 
Tell us in the comment section below what the crew should cover next week. And don't forget to like and subscribe. See you next time on SCC. Sports, cards, culture.